What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Principal Crew Podcast. My name is Adam. Welcome. I'm your host, and this is the podcast where we talk about school leadership because in my experience, I have found that the best way to overcome challenges in education is through leadership. Today on the show, I just got to read. I don't usually do this, but I got to read some things. Justin's Renaissance Educator Hall of Fame in 2010. 2013 National Association of Secondary School Principals, NASSP Digital Principal of the Year, 2014 Academy of Arts and Science Education High School Principal of the Year, and 2015 Ohio Alliance of Black School Educators Principals of the Year. Dwight Carter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adam. How you doing, man? Hey, man, I am rocking and rolling. Uh, I just, I love reading those things. And I just decided I'm going to read those out to people <laughs> because I think people, no, I mean, you know, like you, I can tell you are a humble guy and um, which is a, a great quality, but letting people know like what, who was on the show today and what, and what you have done. But Dwight, let's, let's start from the beginning. Tell us about yourself, where you're from, uh, where you've worked. We were chatting before the show on where you are now. So just kind of give us the lowdown of, uh, of Dwight Carter. So I'm, I'm, I'm a Midwest guy, born and raised in Ohio, Central Ohio, um, still here today. Um, so born in, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I have a twin brother and an older sister. And so I began my education career in 1994 when I got hired in the Gehanna Jefferson Public School District as an eighth grade social studies teacher um, middle school track coach and high school football coach. So I was in three different buildings my first three years, which was great. I taught at one middle school, Gehenna Middle School South. I was track coach at Gehenna Middle School East, and I was football coach, assistant football coach at Gehenna Lincoln High School. So it gave me a huge opportunity to connect with students in three different buildings. So then my fourth year, I got hired at the high school to teach ninth grade, to teach students ninth grade um, global studies. Absolutely loved that course. Um, it built some great connections. I started coaching at the high school as well. So I was in three different areas in the building. Uh, again, just establishing relationships, building rapport, getting to know people, and really building a strong footing in the community. And it was during that time, um, one of the, is a, he's a retired principal in the, in the district, and he would stroll in every now and again. He was really uh, just a great guy, humble guy, kind guy that was still very connected. He had great relationships with the social studies department. So occasionally he would just stroll in. Um, and, then, and that's when it was just a different era at that time. So he would stroll in our building and uh, he would just pop in my classroom, stand in the back and observe and just, you know, wave. And then at the end of the class, he walked up to me and said, have you ever considered administration? I'm like, absolutely not. Like, why would I consider that? Never crossed my mind. Um, he would leave, and then a couple months later, he would come back and do the same thing. And then my uh, principal at the time, Sherry Denlap, Sherry and I had a great rapport, great relationship, and she started tapping me to lead small groups in, during professional learning or presenting a staff meeting. And, and then she asked me to, be a, a, to go through a critical friends group facilitator training. Prior to that, I never heard of CFG. So, and I was... I guess how I was raised or how I was trained was when your boss asked you to do something, it's not a question, it's more of a, it's a directive. Not that she was mean or nasty about it, but it wasn't a question for me. It was like, when do we start? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, 
went through the training and that opened my eyes to, up to a whole new realm of leadership possibilities. So we, um, I was facilitating, while I was facil learning how to facilitate, we had a group of seven teachers that were part of our first critical friends group in the district. And man, we really bonded. We, we, we grew professionally, we grew personally, we would observe each other's classrooms, we learned all these different protocols. And we would observe each other's classrooms and provide feedback, not evaluative feedback, but just feedback. You know, look at, identify what are some blind spots, identify what things are going well. Then we come back and talk about it for a significant chunk of time. And that was the biggest difference. We had time to actually plan, talk, give feedback, and then implement and come back and, and talk about the progress. So I did that for a couple of years. Then, uh, Sherry left, went to the district office, became a um, HR director, and Mark White became the principal at, at the high school. And that was like a game changer for me. Mark and I hit it off extremely well, um, became really strong. I mean, he was, became a mentor when I wasn't looking for, nor did I ask, and I wasn't expecting it. He just sort of took me under his wing. And we would have these um, just strong conversations every other day and then just because I would pop down during my planning period or he would stop up and we would just talk about school and life. And um, he always asked me, you know, what's, what's education gonna look like in 2030 or 2040 or 2050? I'm thinking about the next day, he's thinking about, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. So he's very forward thinking. Um, and then one day in the spring, this was, I think this was the year 2001, um, one of our assistant principals got another position in another district. And Mark walked up to me and said, hey, I wanted to let you know, Steve Anderson just resigned. Um, so there's an AP position of open, you should apply. And at that time, I was right in the middle of finishing my master's degree in administration. So I'm like, I, you know, I don't have my license yet. Um, I'm good. He's like, no, nah, just go through, at least go through the experience so you see what the interview's like. I had nothing to lose. Nothing, I didn't think I was gonna get the position, I had nothing to lose. So I was very calm and very uh, uh, casual. And, and so it was more of a conversation. Cause like I said, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was being interviewed. I was just being asked questions and having a discussion. Lo and behold, four weeks later, I got hired as the assistant principal at Gahanna Lincoln High School. So I did that for three years, great career. Then I got hired as the middle school East principal, went back to where I was, started coaching. Did that for three years and I had the opportunity to go back at Lincoln to Lincoln High School as the principal. So I did that for six years. Was it six years? Yeah, six years. Have a had a phenomenal staff. I mean, we just really had a strong group of professionals, did some great things. Um, Mark was the superintendent, assistant superintendent, and superintendent at the time. So we had a great working relationship. He understood the high school, understand the district, I understand his vision. Um, Mark then retired, and then uh, I think a year later, I uh, moved on to New Albany High School, which is a uh, neighboring district to Gehenna. Did that for four years. Again, had a great career there. Phenomenal people. I mean, just exceptional students, exceptional staff, very strong um, community support, uh, very actively involved community, which presents its challenges, but also its, it's benefits. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, you're right about that. Yeah. And so then I, but probably, I think my first or second year at New Albany, I realized that I was just really ready for a change. And I knew that when I left Gehenna and I thought moving to another high school was going to be that change needed, but it, I just needed another change period. So 
during those four years, like I was really grappling with what do I want to do um, for the rest of my career. And so I remember it was my third year there. And at the time we were working with a coach. Um, his name is Tom Fry, Dr. Tom Fry. He's called an effectiveness coach. So we're working with him because we had some budget cuts in the previous years that we outsourced a lot of things and he was one of the people we outsourced to. So he and I great, formed a great relationship. And then one day we, he met, uh, we met in my office and uh, he said, man, what's wrong? You look, you look bothered, you look per perplexed. And I just jokingly said, if you're hiring, man, let me know. Cause I was just ready to just leave. <clears throat> so he called me that night and says, hey, were you joking about what you said? Like, what do you mean? What did I say? He said that you were looking for to do something else. And I said, uh, I, not really, but sure, what's up? He said, we were, we were thinking about expanding. You know, we love working with you. We love the work that you do. Um, would you be interested in becoming an effectiveness coach for Dynamics? <laughs> so he called my bluff. Um, so two months later, um, I had accepted a position with Dynamics, stayed on, obviously stayed on for the rest of the year. Um, it was devastating news to the staff and the students in the community, like then they just didn't expect it. But again, it was, I, felt, I felt great about the decision. I really did. Um, like I said, I was just ready to do something new, try something new. Um, so my vision for the next 10 years of my career was leadership coaching, speaking, um, leading professional development. So I did that for about a year and that was in 19 or 2019. Yeah, 2019. And um, no, 2018, 2019. So I started actually traveling a lot more than I had anticipated and I loved the work, but it was a challenge at home. Uh, I was gone for longer stretches of time, but I was home for stretches of time, but it was so inconsistent that it just wasn't working at home, especially for my daughter. So I decided to jump back into public ed, became an assistant principal at Eastland Career Center where I jumped into career tech. Absolutely love it. Um, so this is my third year and starting August 1, which if it unofficially started just now, but or last couple of weeks, but August 1, I'll be the new director of student support systems in the Eastland Fairfield Career and Technical School District. Yeah, I love those uh, origin stories about <clears throat> how people get into admin, like what was the catalyst or maybe who was the person that saw something in you or <clears throat> like I got into admin because of somebody that I worked with and I said, I think I can do it better. You know, they kind of come <laughs> at it from different angles. Yeah. And I love what you said about the, <clears throat> excuse me, about the travel. So fun to travel, but people think, airports and rental cars and hotels and being on the road is like super glamorous and I would say I don't know about you but it is at first and then you're like wait where am I flying to today or waking up and like wait where what state am I in <laughs> you know and that that's real when you're a consultant yeah. or a speaker um that's that's kind of that's kind of what happens and I just got to tell the audience every picture that I've ever seen of Dwight he's wearing a bow tie and right now he's wearing a polo shirt it is the summertime so um where did the bow tie where did that start is that just something you've always done or oh or what? that is not that is not so um, <laughs> my wife and I have a daughter named Gabrielle and Gabrielle Gabrielle we have a just a heart tugging origin story um, that I won't get into 
but um, Gabby is adopted. We adopted her at birth, and we found out three weeks before she was coming home that we were going to adopt. So we had three weeks to prepare. We get crammed nine months into three three weeks. Um, so it's it like I said, it's a phenomenal story. I'm not going to get into it now. Um, so when Gabby was born, uh, during so as we were planning her first birthday party, which you know every part, birthday party is like a holiday. <laughs> um, I decided to wear a bow tie at her for her birth, first birthday. First, excuse me, first birthday, and ever since then, so it's been eight eight and a half years. Um, started wearing it probably every Tuesday, like bow tie Tuesday, and then I think a year after that, it just became um, just something that people recognize me by because I, you know, I and plus I enjoyed wearing a bow tie. It was just something different, something unique. And so now it's just a part of a part of, I guess, my brand, if you want to call it that. So, yeah. There's a couple of the people I know. Derek McCoy loves yeah. to wear a bow tie. Jay yeah. Posick in yeah. Wisconsin loves to wear a bow tie. There's like bow tie, I, bow tie Tuesday is yeah. something I've seen on social media. I've never worn a bow tie. I don't even like wearing a tie anymore. I mean, whoever <laughs> invented ties and felt that men should wear them. Or that they were a good idea. I think, um, you know, we need to have a conversation about that. Hey, but I got a question. You know, is there a book that when you were coming up, when that former principal was coming into your classroom and they were like, Dwight, have you thought about admin? Or, hey, read this book. Or, I mean, you were name dropping a lot of people that have been influential um, in your life slash educational, you know, you know, leadership journey. Is there a book or a book now that, that that you have read or that then you recommend now because you are coaching and you are mentoring that kind of next gen of of leaders that are coming up what's that book that you think that they read that you recommend uh for many 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 years um i remember i think we had to read it in my one of my first master's classes um was uh what great principles do differently by todd whitaker it's so, it's so practical and it, it's 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 almost like um he takes very complex ideas and make them very practical and then provide a story with it so it's like yeah I, I can do that and so you know that was probably one that i recommended for many years and still do um also anything written by daniel pink and mark white would always because mark is such a uh, cerebral, cerebral person and big vision, but he also has the attention to detail. So a whole new mind is one that I highly recommend um, because it talks about the shift in leadership and also the shift in our country where the um, where we're moving to and have been moving towards for, for a long time. Um, another leadership book that I recommend is, you know, anything by Jimmy Casas and um, Jeff Zoll regarding climate and culture. I think they they provide nice frameworks and you know a little shameless plug you know right now one of the books that i'm recommending to a couple of clients that i have is leading schools um, in disruptive times how to survive hyper change We're, we now have our second edition we being mark white and i and mark is a brainchild behind um, both books the first edition and the second edition um, because it lays out a framework for disruption which is coping adjusting and transforming so we lay out this whole process, and as we dealing as we're dealing with hyper change now, and which means change comes comes so rapidly. So before you adjust to one change, another one's coming. 
there has to be a framework to handle that stuff. And that framework is first you identify the change, you cope with what's happening in a short amount of time. Then you start looking at what adjustments you can make to your practices. And then once you reflect on that, you then transform your mindset to prepare for the next change. So it's just a, it's a, it's not linear at all. It's very much not linear. It's more of a, it's an ebb and flow based on the disruption that's happening. Yeah. Um, as, as you were saying, Todd Whitaker, I was thinking Todd Whitaker, cause that was the first leadership book that I actually read. I had just gotten my first assistant principal job and I went to uh, UCLA. This was many, many, many years ago for like a summer institute. It was like a week long. We stayed in the dorms and there they recommended um, what great leaders, what great principals do differently by Todd Whitaker. And I remember I read it and Dwight, it just made sense. Like you said, it's just that simple and uh, shout out to Todd. I have to actually, I should reach out to him and see, I got to get him on the podcast, but it just, it just makes sense. And it's simple. And I think so many leaders, they complicate their own leadership and they complicate what they think they need to do in order to implement something or make change or have a conversation or build a relationship or, you know, kind of whatever, whatever it is. So with your book, with all the other books, this episode is going to come out and it's the summertime. What do you recommend to new principals, uh, veteran principals, aspiring leaders to do now as they prepare for the 21-22 school year? And I mean, I've seen a lot on social media about what people are doing and conferences and reading and checklists and stuff. But if you were to talk to a thousand principals, because you are right now on the podcast, what would you recommend they be thinking about and doing as they plan for next school year? Take care of yourself, number one. Um, I think in our haste to get back to normal, <clears throat> a part of it is we're forgetting to take care of ourselves mentally and physically. You know, and I see I see more of us doing that. Um, my fear is that it's going to slow down once we get back to the normal schedule. My thought is not make that a priority because if if you don't have a lot in your tank, there's not much you can give to other people. And people need we our people need our direction, our guidance, our support, our motivation, and our encouragement. But if we don't have it in and ourselves because we didn't pour into it ourselves this summer and continuous, we're going to die out and burn out. You talked about, you know, sustaining leadership. A part of sustaining is you got to be able to sustain yourself by taking care of yourself. So that's number one. Number two is don't run away from controversial or disruptions, controversial or disruptive topics, such as the social justice that's necessary and um, it's inevitable that it's happening. And so one, one book I recommend is um, Principal Kefele, Broody Kefele's Social Justice 50. That guy is just on fire. I mean, he's got a, I think a 62 week long assistant principal academy. He's doing Facebook Live. He's now touring the country back again. He's written, I think this is like 14th or 15th book or something like that. But he, he throws out, I mean, he puts together these 50 hard questions that aren't written to motivate but it's written to challenge, it's written to push. And he's challenging you as a leader and he's challenging you as a, as a, a human to address some, some topics that need to be addressed. But again, his questions guide, help guide the work. He doesn't do the work for you, but he help you, helps you guide the work. So that's the second thing. The third thing is connect with your people. Um, people need to know 
change is happening, but how can they contribute to that change is happening? And then number four is celebrate or monitor and celebrate the progress that's made, not just now, but also when, when everybody's back in full session. So those are just like four tips that I would recommend. And I'll say a fifth one will probably be uh, constantly review data, um, gather data, review data, and make decisions based on data in real time. And because things change so rapidly, it's hard to use data from a year or two years ago. So talk to people, listen attentively, gather um, qualitative and quantitative quantitative decisions, get people together and then, or excuse me, get qualitative data, get people together and then make decisions based on that. So uh, I love the first one that you said was take care of yourself. And before the show, we were talking about sustainable leadership. And that's something that I think about and talk about a lot. Yeah. I have this thing in my head that uh, the 40 hour leader, and I know that's not always attainable, but leaders, especially school principals, assistant principals, directors tend to work 50, 60 hours all the time. And they got, you know, on the weekends. And I have these, I have these barriers that I put on my work life, because if we don't, then we're always working and then our family's suffering and we're suffering. So I do believe that the number one thing is taking care of ourselves, which leads to sustainable leadership. And we make it sound easy, Dwight. We're like, just be a sustainable leader. Don't work too much. Take your family. But how they're like, okay, Adam, but Dwight, yeah, but I got this and that. And everyone's got something going on. So we're not planning anymore. It's August. School has started. And you're a high school principal, assistant principal, whatever it is. You're a, you're a brand new elementary school principal in Georgia. Okay. And you got 500 kids at your school. How do they sustain themselves so they don't get burned out, stressed out because data, social, yeah. racial justice, right. um, relationships, testing, right. social, right. emotional. I mean, right. Like we can fill up 25 big old whiteboards in a conference room with all the things that a principal has to do. Yeah. Dwight, how does a school leader sustain themselves and remain happy and healthy and balanced. How do they do that? Yeah, I, I don't have a, there's not a magic bullet answer to that one. So I would just say based on what I've experienced the last few years is um, I started again, I go back to what I said, I started really focusing on my own mental health and physical well-being. Um, I found, and I'm not ashamed to say it, I guess I promote and I promote this. I just like I would go to the doctor to get a physical every single year. Uh, I do checkups, I go to the dentist. That's just a natural part of taking care of yourself. I do the same thing mentally. Um, I have a therapist that I talk to every two weeks and it's not because something wrong, it's because I wanna sustain, as you said, sustain mental wellness because we live in such a disruptive time. And that those times aren't changing. They're not going back to what they were 20 years ago. In fact, it's gonna speed up because just the rate of information that we're having that we have access to and then everybody now has a voice when it comes to what they want to say and they will say it <laughs> we no longer have a captive audience and the audience is always bigger the crowd is always bigger than we anticipate so we just with, the, with those factual things that are happening we have to sustain ourselves by taking care of ourselves create a, a, a network that you can talk to be open with um, not that's non-judgmental so that they can help you declutter your mind a little bit, throw in prayer, because prayer leads to action. 
but it also keeps you grounded. So those are those are the mental things that I think are necessary. And then on top of that, find the uh, people within your district that you can rely on to help you with those changes, will help you with that leadership. And then third thing is say that you don't have all the answers because you don't know one person does. So that's where collective and collaborative leadership comes into play. And then number four is continuously focus on student growth and achievement. You can't go wrong with that. It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue against what's best for kids. Um, make sure it's aligned with the, obviously district goals and whatnot. And then I would say this, if, if the boundaries that you set don't align with the district vision goals and values, you're not gonna be successful. Mm -hmm. So you have to ask yourself, is this a district that I can be myself and that I can thrive and that I can maintain the boundaries? And if 100%. it's not, you have to make the, you make, have to make the hard decision. And that is to find some some place that aligns with your core values, your core beliefs, your mission, your vision for your life. Mm. So one of the things that I've learned, which I didn't even think was possible, was that um, like in a district I'm in now, we don't have an email culture. So when we leave for the day, when I come back the next day, I don't have a hundred emails in my inbox. We just that's just we we just don't have that culture. So I'm, I am other and other leaders are we're truly able to just step away from work because we don't have access or we don't have information coming at us at all hours of the night. It's just truly like people respect those boundaries. And I, again, I never thought that that was something that existed. When I was a principal, um, yeah, when I became principal, I think at New Albany, I had to learn, I learned that if I send an email at seven o'clock at night, people will respond. So I had to learn, like, if I'm telling people to set boundaries, I can't send emails like that. Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't even want to send it, like use a, a set a timer where it's, you can type the email up, either save, save it in draft or time it to be sent in the morning. Or when you, if, if you have to send it in the evening, say good morning, mm -hmm. as opposed to good evening, which is, which shows that you want them to read it in the morning. Mm -hmm. So then model what you want to see, want to see your teachers do which is stop, you know, take a breath, spend time with your family. And I would also say, turn off notifications on your phone and your computer. Like I didn't all have notifications. All notifications. <laughs> yeah, all notifications. You don't, you don't need them. <laughs> no, you don't need them. It, it's the, the purpose of the notification is to distract you from what you're doing. That's right. To notify you that you, right. it makes, it makes that urgent, that sense of urgency when it's really not. If you, someone really needs yeah. you, they'll call you. So well, turn off all yeah. notifications. And I tell parents too, like we would get noted, we get I would get comments from parents. There's like, I'm getting text messages from teachers all hours of the night, let, letting me know an assignment was graded. I said, then turn off the notifications. It just because a teacher's grading it at 11 o'clock at night doesn't mean you have to know that. That's your control. Turn off the notification to the learning management system. Then you don't have that problem. I said, so you can control that. But I want to know what my student, my son got. Then you don't need to know what they got at eleven o'clock at night. You can know in the morning when you check it or whatnot. And I was, and I said also, also you don't have to check it every day. <laughs> like check yep. it once a week. So just training adults how to use the technology to our advantage and not be a slave to the technology. 
well, that, that modeling is so important because we should do with our teachers what we want them to do with their students and with the community members that they interact with, you know, and I was thinking, I was thinking about my top three and so many of those align. Like number one, I don't, I haven't had work email on my phone in years. And you know what? I've never missed anything. I I mean, I know superintendents that only check their email twice a day at certain times, because like you said, Dwight, if something happens, if it's eight o'clock at night and there's an accident or an injury or somebody's sick, they're not going to email you. They're going to call you. And that's an immersion thing. Second thing to be a sustainable leader is I'm a big believer in finding a time that works for you and leave every day at that that time. And don't make it seven o'clock at night or six o'clock at night. I think that's too late. Um, I know high school principals have night events, but you have a team and you have assistant principals. I think, you know, that's really being consistent. Hey, at 4.15, I leave because my family is most important. And the third one is I think every leader, new and veteran should ask a simple question. Every time that you do something, should I be doing this or can I empower somebody else to do this? Or I think the third one is, should nobody be doing this? And that third question that you ask yourself, that really gets to well, we've, we've been doing this the same way for 10 years. Why is anybody doing this? Or could, could, it, could it be automated? Or could Google be doing this? Or can we empower a teacher leader or a secretary or what have you? So then you're not doing everything. And to me, that's kind of like doing as little as possible because that's what leaders, I think, should have that mindset of everybody should be distributing the work. But then sometimes nobody should be doing those things because if somebody's doing them, it's taking up somebody's time that they could be having conversations or designing curriculum or building relationships or going home at 4.15 to go do yoga or take a walk or join a book club or coach track or soccer or, um, or whatever it is. Uh, Dwight, the president calls you and he says, Dwight Carter, I want you to come to Washington, D.C. and I want you to be the next secretary of education for this country. <laughs> That's a big wow. job, my man. What 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 is your list what is your priorities what do you do as the secretary of education uh for this country there's a lot going on there's always a lot going on i feel in 2021 there's more going on than maybe you know historically maybe in our lifetime what what's your priority for for schools and and teachers and, and students across across this country that is a great question. Wow. First, uh, I don't know if I would accept that appointment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not because it's too hard, it's because I value, I value my family now. Mm. Um, with that aside, let's say I did accept it, all right? Um, I would say first and foremost is equity, which means removing barriers so that all kids have access to what they need and opportunities for success, regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, zip code. Then have, so then provide equal access once those barriers are removed. <clears throat> and that's, that's across the board. I would say that's probably the first four things on the list because those are, those can be life altering changes for for all kids i would say number five would be to continue to pour professional development into staff in terms of retaining staff but also recruiting staff the most impactful um, 
thing we can do as leaders is to ensure we have dynamic teachers in the classrooms for students. And I'll say this was it for sixth would be to continue to shore up funding so that we can invest in what we say is our priority, which is our schools and our students, so that then we have a pipeline of success that can happen because funding is never funding won't be an issue. One of the things that may come up to making some sustainable change is like lack of funding because you need people, you need resources, you need um, guidance, you need support, and sometimes that costs money to do. And so I think if we shore up the funding and then to, again, make sure that's accessible, it's accessible to all kids, um, then I think it'd be a good pathway to success. And I think number seven, that's number seven, is to debunk the myth that every kid has to go to college to be successful. Um, and I'm a college graduate. I have a, 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 obviously a, a bachelor's and a, and a master's degree in continuous education. So I'm in it. It's a pathway to success, not the pathway to success. And I think um, that pendulum has swung to multiple pathways to success, but it's still a lot of things we have to debunk over the years of that narrative of go to college, get a degree, and then move on to your, <clears throat> to greener pastures. When the reality is that's not the case for a vast majority of people. Um, so make it as just as honorable as it is to go to college and graduate, make it as honorable, just as honorable to go straight into the workforce, go into the military, you know, uh, start a business, uh, collaborate, uh, work with other people, to provide, provide to develop products that meet the needs of people, but also allow for some profit to take place. And so, and then celebrate multiple pathways of success where there's, it's all, it's all viewed equally to saying, I can, if I don't wanna to go to college, I can do this, I can, and if I don't go to college, I'm not a bad person. I'm just as valued, highly respected and belong as the college graduate because I started my own business you know, 10 years later, I'm making six figures, supporting my family and have employees under me. So I think those are fine ways to celebrate those stories in every district that it will, that's in our country. Yeah, oh, well, you have my vote as secretary of education, <laughs> but I can, I can see where you would not wanna take that job. It would be demanding. Yeah. Um, I love the list. You know, that last one about not going, it's okay to not go to college. Yeah. I've been talking about that for years with many different pathways. And I remember somebody gave me some pushback, but like, well, you want your kids to go to college. And I'm like, if it's right for them, if I was a high school senior right now, I would not go to college probably. I just, I, it wasn't, I think there's so many other opportunities and I've started to see it more on social media. And I've seen it for years, like the senior day where people post pictures of the kids and where they're going to school and they're signing. And I've started to see it where the schools are posting of what technical school the students are going to, which is a different pathway. Like you said, it's not a typical college because uh, the price of college is insane and out of control and people are having too much student debt. I mean, we could talk about that on a whole nother episode. Um, Dwight, if you could have one job for one day, what would that job be and why? And if you could have one job for one year, what would that job be and why? One job for one day. Does it have to be an education? No, no, man. It shouldn't be an education. Do something different if you want. <laughs> one job for one day. 
Hmm. All right, I'm gonna go out on a limb. <laughs> I've never done this before, but I would love to be like a skydive instructor. Um, to just to see people's joy as they jump, joy and fear, like all the emotional, the emotional uh, roller coaster of people, like the anticipation of the jump, uh, the climb, uh, the preparation, and then the actual like release. I think that would be a fun experience and to help people. So, so wait, you've never skied, you've never been skydiving before, but you want to be an instructor. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. You just want to go from like nothing to like yeah. superintendent. I get yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Because um, again, it's just, it's creating that experience for others. Yeah. You know, and helping them in getting to see that happen. Like that yeah. would just be amazing. Yeah. Like you talking about an emotional high, like that would just yeah. be incredible. Yeah. Uh, a job for a year. Um, hmm. All right, this sounds crazy too. But my retirement job <clears throat> is I'm going to, you know, hopefully, this is, my wife and I talk about it all the time. I just want to cut grass. Instant, instant gratification. So a job for I will have for a year, you know, retired and everything. I would own my own landscaping business um, because I, it helped me like beautify neighborhoods one plot at a time and it's instant gratification. And so you, you know, you do the work, you put in the hard work, you put in sweat equity, you look back and boom, something, something beautiful is created. So I would do that for a year. Um, again, is it simple? I don't know, but it brings me joy and that's what I would do. So if any skydiving companies are listening and you need some <laughs> part-time employees called Dwight Carter, John Deere, they are located in Moline, <laughs> Illinois, which is close to Ohio, where you are. Yeah. If you are looking for any sponsorship, Dwight is the principal of a career tech school. Hey, man, let's get some like relationship going. So then in your retirement, uh, you never know. Dwight, part of this podcast is amplifying the voices of my guests. I'm going to pass the microphone over to you to close this out. What would you like to say to all the aspiring uh, assistant principals and principals that listen to this podcast. Close this out, man. All right, my message to inspiring leaders, assistant principals and principals is know thyself, focus on your core values, work within a district that supports those core values and understand that the most valuable lesson that you can give to others is to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's the state in which we're in right now. That's it. Simple. Dwight, next time I see you, maybe you'll have a bow tie on. Maybe it'll be a John Deere inspired bow tie, or maybe it'll get blown off from, uh, from skydiving. I've never been skydiving before and I want to do it. And my wife, you know, when you get married and you have kids, like, I think it, things change a little, right? Because you are now responsible for more people than just yourself. Then like you were in your teens or your twenties, but uh, it does sound good. Maybe uh, next time I'm in Ohio, we can go do one of those indoor skydiving. I've never done yeah. that. Have you done those? Oh, yes, we did that uh, about three, four months ago, man. It is okay. exhilarating. It was. It's, I've it's seen people do it. Yeah. yeah. And there's one up in Sacramento, uh, close to where I live. And we, we drive by, but I've never been. So maybe that'll be like the happy median, you know, be an instructor yeah. there. And it's probably a little bit safer. Yeah, uh, so do it. Add that to your yeah. bucket. 
Yeah. 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 I'll add to my list. Dwight, thanks for your time. Everybody listening. Thanks for all you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day. Thanks, Adam. Thank you.